0: This morning, I'm excited because uh, a friend of mine, Jonathan Graham, is going to be uh, bringing the message to us this morning. Uh, I've known Jonathan for about uh, six months or so now. Jonathan and his uh, wife, Carly, have been attending Renaissance. We actually went to the same seminary, although one of the two of us was there, uh, well, probably not before you were born, but uh, a number of years. And I was there a number of years before Jonathan was. And so I've enjoyed getting to know Jonathan and his wife, Carly. Uh, Jonathan was a pastor for a while in uh, Delaware. He's been actually a professional baseball chaplain. I'm looking forward to some stories about that. And uh, right now, uh, Jonathan is a pastor to folks in the entertainment industry, especially in New York City. And so uh, help me to welcome Jonathan as he comes and brings the morning message. Well, I'm gonna save you from that. I'm gonna start by um, getting you into my childhood, as uh, Clay mentioned. We, um, b- where I grew up as a as a child. Okay, there you go. So it gives you something distracting to look at while I talk. And what that shows you is that that's me on the left. That's my brother on the right. Uh, yes, we both have red hair, we prefer to say strawberry blonde, Uh, but that's our first advent experience. So here we are, Uh, this was 30 years ago, so 1985, that puts me at age 34 and a half, Uh, so I still consider myself quite young. Um, And uh, so that's my brother and I, and then there's another picture of uh, this, just for the cute factor. Um, My brother's glasses look a lot cooler now, and Please don't blame him for the Cowboys jersey he wears. I won't tell you who we actually root for now, but it's not them. Um, And apparently I'm wearing a football onesie as well. Uh, So that's my first experience that I remember with Advent. And my mom was gracious enough to get that picture for me so I could uh, show that this morning. But as Clay shared, I want to focus on the angel aspect of this story of Christmas. The first angel, there's four of them that appear in this Christmas narrative. The first one we come across is Gabriel. Gabriel appears in the, in the narrative as, as the one that goes to a priest and his wife and tells them, I'm going to provide a child through you that's going to prepare the way for Jesus. The second visit is by this same angel named Gabriel who shares with an unwed young Teen girl named Mary, who was engaged to be married, that now she would be pregnant, but she found favor with God and she would have a son. In fact, he would be God's son. He would be the king, and his name was Jesus. Well, we know what happens, or what usually happens next in that case is there's a few questions that get asked, and Joseph was ready to leave his soon to be wife. Well, an angel appeared to him in a dream. And told him that his unwed pregnant fiance, uh, she had been conceived. uh, She had conceived a child by the Holy Spirit, and that he should stay with her, and he would, and they would get married, and they would name their son Jesus. Now we get to the fourth angel in this story. We don't know who it was. We can I can make names up, but what we find in Luke chapter two verses 8 through 14, of which we read this morning, is this fourth and final appearance did something different than the other three. The angel of the Lord who appeared to a bunch of ordinary shepherds in a field in Bethlehem had a different message, one of significance, one that would change the world. And what was this message? The message was Jesus had arrived. By the time we join this story... Jesus had already come to earth. Jesus was born. He was born in a stable uh, or placed in a manger. And we don't really know exactly where. You can go to Israel today and they'll tell you, well, it could be here and it could be there. And usually what happened in the, in the years after Jesus is if we believe that something was where it happened, well, then they built a church. So you can find a whole lot of churches in these areas. But at this point in the story, The only people that knew Jesus was born was God, Joseph, Mary, and whatever animals were actually present there. But now it was time to let the whole world know. Jesus is announced. When the angel of the Lord appeared on the scene out of nowhere to a bunch of shepherds in a field, they showed up, and it wasn't a... um, Hey, guys. Um, excuse me. Can I, can I, can I get your attention? Um, I have a. There's something going on over, over there. I, I, no. When angels showed up, they showed up, and it was like a boom. They didn't show up and go. Um. Excuse me. Uh. I'd like your attention. Got something cool going on over here. No. They came up and they showed up, and it was. It showed up with the glory of God. The glory of God showed up all around them. There was nothing that they were distracted by at this point, except these angels, or excuse me, this one angel. So you can understand why these guys were quite a bit scared. And this same glory that showed up with this angel wasn't just a bright light. It wasn't just a... One spotlight, this was the same glory that showed up when God was present with his people, when he was leading them through Israel, or excuse me, when he was leading them to Israel through the desert. It showed up when Moses was on top of the mountain. It showed up when God was present in the tabernacle. This was a special type of glory that was around. And understandably, the shepherds are beside themselves, but the angel comforts them and says, do not be afraid. Now, okay, bright light, angelic being, not be afraid? Well, might be easy for the angel to say because he knows what's coming, but we can understand why the shepherds were quite distracted by this. So the angel proceeds to tell them why they shouldn't be afraid. And he says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. For All the people. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I bring good news. This is the same word when we talk um, in church language we say we're sharing the gospel. Um, it comes from a Greek word that says eugelion and that's the same phrase that's used here that this angel is bringing what the Christianese language would say is the gospel it's proclaiming good news. And not just good news like, hey, this this might make you happy for a few moments, but good news that's going to change the life of everyone that's going to hear it. And it's not just for a bunch of shepherds, it's for all people. And why is it such great news? Why does this this birth matter? Um, Why? Because it's going to bring joy. It's going to bring It says here, will cause great joy for all people. So when you think about joy, what do you think about? You, know, you think about happiness? Do you think about what, you know, what you're going to get next week at Christmas? That might cause some joy. But this is the type of joy that won't make you happy just for a moment. Now, it will bring joy that you can't lose. It's the type of joy that changes your life. It doesn't just make a little impact. It changes the trajectory of your life. This is the joy that when one accepts Jesus into their life, that God changes and places there unlike any other experience you will ever have again. It's really too difficult to explain at times. I can use a bunch of big words, but the bottom line is it's never going to leave you. It's never going to dissipate. You know, it's the same joy that we can feel in numerous circumstances. Have you ever listened to a song that Dave or others have played up here and been moved to tears? Or maybe it's the exact opposite experience where emotionally you're a wreck. I mean, right now we just went through Thanksgiving. We just are approaching Christmas. And those that have experienced loss in the past year, this is a tough time. And not because the person experienced a hardship, but because there's something missing in our life that used to be there. And that's extremely difficult to process. But this joy that came with the birth of this child is what at least gives you hope that you can keep going on. That's the type of joy we're talking about. And the joy comes because we're God's child. We're the child of the creator that created everything that is around us, who loves us dearly. That joy is not temporary. Think about things that bring you happiness, though. Okay, think of something you may have put on your wish list for Christmas. Uh, Think of something you've got in the past few years that has brought you an extreme amount of happiness. Maybe it was that car you've been wanting or that motorcycle or the jewelry or the watch. Or maybe it was that child finally graduating from college or that happiness of seeing your child just pass the next grade Or, or the happiness that you feel because you were able to get that deal done or get that boat, or the happiness you felt when you got the new iPad, or the new iPhone, or if you're not an Apple person, then whatever else you buy. But what you know that feeling when you get something brand new, it's shiny, but what happens to it? It goes away. That first ding in the car, which, uh huh. you yeah, know, we've been there. You know, the first stain on the carpet of our new house, or you're angry at your child for doing that, or, you know, whatever it might be, the luster of that newness eventually wears off. You can be happy about it, but it doesn't mean that happiness stays and almost has a half-life to it. But this joy that I'm talking about that Jesus brought can't be bought. It can't be negotiated. It can't be anything but given by God to us. We can't negotiate a truce that brings about calm, but we can have joy with God's help. And that's what these angels were announcing. Verse 11 tells us where this joy will come from. Good news, great joy, okay, from what? A Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. A Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Jesus is a Savior who is called by two different titles here, Messiah and Lord, and both carry a significant amount of weight. But why does it matter that he is both Messiah and Lord? Well, I'm glad you asked. The angel is proclaiming that this baby, just born in Bethlehem, in the city of David, is both the king and also God. This baby was unlike anything ever born. Anything ever born before it or will ever be born after it. Well, I know you might think you're special, but this baby was really special. First, he's the Messiah. He is the King. He's the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy if you look in Isaiah 9-6. But he's Israel's expected one. He's God's anointed one. He's sent by God to deliver his people. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is King. So he's not only sent by God as Messiah, promised to his people, but secondly, he's also Lord. He's Yahweh. That's an Old Testament term of what we use to describe God. He's the name above every name. He is God. He is part of the Trinity. He, so Messiah, Lord, that's why it matters. Because not only was he sent by God to do a task that only God could do, but he is God and capable of doing the task of what he was sent to do. These titles as Jesus' the Savior carry a weight that we can never know. But this same weight is the weight Jesus carried with him as he went to the cross, as he died on the cross, but also as he resurrected. This same weight person could have only done that. Only Jesus Christ could do what Jesus Christ did. Why? Because he was sent by God and he was God. But not only is a fulfillment of prophecy that God would send to deliverer for his people, but he too was God. And this angel was announcing that a Savior had come to earth. A Savior had come to earth. I mean, really? In the form of a baby? sitting in a feeding trough, but the Savior was going to deliver his people and was going to take care of them for all eternity. So how would the shepherds know, who by this point maybe were a little less scared, probably blood pressure running a bit high, how would they know that what the angels said was true? Well, they said, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Okay, that's pretty easy. Like, here's the message This is what you're going to find. Because my guess is in those days, you're not finding many babies swaddled up in clothes and lying in a feeding trough with a bunch of animals around it. Pretty easy to find that. So what happens next? The response of the angels is telling of what heaven feels at that moment. And in verse 13 and 14, we see that the angels praised because peace came. The angels praised because peace came. Verse 13 says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God. And we'll get to what they said in a second. But a ton of angels show up. In fact, the word used here, as Clay said it even last week, is an army of angels showed up. So not, um, this is big. This is God saying, I'm going big or go home. It's, it's not little. Because why? Because this was so impactful. This was a big moment. This was, as kids would say or used to say, this was epic. And that's why a whole army of angels showed up. That's why the glory of the Lord showed up. But what were they saying? They were saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Glory to God in the highest. And you don't want me singing that, by the way. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Why'd they respond this way? Why'd they respond like that? You know, it wasn't as if they were fans of Buddy the Elf and their idea of spreading joy at Christmas time was, well, Buddy says the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. That wasn't what the angels were really thinking. No, these heavenly hosts were so excited about Jesus finally coming to earth, they had no way to experience this but to share it with everybody and explode in song. Their life had changed. What they saw the people going through on earth had changed. Because Jesus had come to earth, God, Messiah, had come to earth to change the world. Heaven came to earth to share its joy about this significant announcement about Jesus. He- and I want to read this to you. Heaven offers praise as earth receives peace with God. Heaven is offering praise as earth is receiving peace with God. So heavenly hosts give us a great blueprint of how we too should respond to something like this. We're going through the Advent season. We're going through a very busy time. And what I love about Advent is it slows us down. It, it, it bring, Or it's supposed to. Let's put it that way. It's supposed to gear us down from maybe running at a high caliber to slowing it down a little bit and remembering, why does this season actually matter? And I think the, the heavenly hosts give us a great blueprint of how we can respond to this wonderful thing of Jesus coming to earth. And I wish I could figure words out that could explain how great this, uh, this was. But number one, what did they do? They praised God. They praised God for what they did. Sometimes all we can do is sing. All we can do is say, thank you, God. We've been without words before, but this can be done in prayer. It can be done in song. It can be done through a testimony sharing with others around you what God is doing in your life. We did it this morning, singing together. They've been doing it all weekend at the Christmas concert. We listened to and sang along as they sang Hark the Herald Angels Sing. The the words here, Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies with the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn King. Now how are you praising God in this Christmas season? You know, is... Is your life revolving around um, enjoying going to the mall and seeing all the cars there and not finding a parking spot, and then you find one, and then someone jumps in it? No, I'm not bitter. Um, Or you enjoy the many people being in your way? It's my favorite, going into New York City and trying to get somewhere. And Oh. Oh. That's my favorite, you know. But what it's actually doing is it's slowing me down. Now, my natural reaction sometimes isn't to, oh, praise God, it slowed me down. <laughs> I'm sure yours is, you know. Of course not. What we're called to do is praise God in every circumstance. Now, it doesn't mean we have to praise God because we couldn't find a parking spot when we go shopping on Christmas Eve day. Uh, before we come here, of course, for the service. Um, But it is praising God for what he's done. It is praising God for giving us this child, responding to this gift. What we are called to do is praise God, reflect on this amazing gift he's given us because he gave us a way out. He gave us something that we can hold on to. He gave us a Messiah, a Lord. We can praise God for that. But secondly... We can accept or reflect on the peace that Jesus brought. We can accept or reflect on the peace that Jesus brought. Hark the Herald Angels sing another couple lines from it. God and sinners reconciled. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. We have peace between us and God a peace that only God can give. Think of Joseph in the Bible. In the book of Genesis, you'll find a story about Joseph who's hated by his brothers, really because they're jealous. He gets sold, uh, well, they try to kill him. He gets sold into slavery thinking that will kill him. He gets thrown into prison because he's honoring God. And eventually he makes it to the top of the known world where he's pretty much second in command. Eh, not a bad trek, but But getting from pit to second in command, we forget about those years. But what is crazy about this story is what happens when Joseph's own brothers that sold him into slavery, that tried to kill him, that was hoping somebody else would kill him. It was, you know, not direct murder, but they were trying. What does he do? He forgives them. Did he have a reason to? Not really. Come on. But what was inside of him was different. He was influenced by God's impact on his life. And what the defining factor for that was, it now brought peace to the relationship. It allowed two warring factions, in a way, to come together. Well, think of that on a bigger scale. God has a perfect standard that we cannot live up to. And that standard can be pretty frustrating at times. (laughs) I was just talking about going to the mall and dealing with people. But Jesus coming to earth meant a healing of that relationship, a healing that we can't do on our own, that because Jesus is Messiah and Lord, he brings that healing. And that's what it's talking about here. That's what the angels are singing about. That's why they're saying, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests, whose God's favor is resting, peace in their lives. Think of a relationship you have. Think of maybe a problem relationship you had. Don't, think, don't get distracted and think of a problem you're having right now, please. But think of a relationship that God has healed. And, and I don't, I'm not talking about we're never talking again and God brought something. I'm talking about, you know, did you have a fight this week with someone you loved? God brought, can bring peace back into those relationships. You know, are we... Leveling up to God on his standard. God can bring peace in that relationship. But we have to accept that into our life. So we can praise God like the angels, and we can also reflect on the peace that he brought. The Christmas story is filled with some extraordinary events. Lay it down. Here's a couple of them. Scandal of an unwed mother whose fiance, though he was about to leave, is now going to stay with her. A baby born in its first bed is a feeding trough, and then a bunch of VIPs come and visit. Angels appearing to numerous people in differing ways and for many different reasons. Not normal. A king who wants to put a baby, just born a toddler, to death because he threatens the throne. And then the heavens rejoicing at the birth of a child, because this baby brings peace. This certainly is a crazy storyline, but one that has a massive impact. Let praise and peace define your Christmas season. It's not always easy, but let praise and peace define your Christmas season. As you spend the next few days trying to get the house ready for guests or Wrapping or rewrapping presents uh, or just sticking them in a gift bag because that's pretty easy. Um, take time to reflect on what we are doing. You have four days before Christmas Eve or four days before Christmas, however you want to look at it, and you can take the time between now and then reflecting, praising God for what He's done. Whether we're scurrying about to get things done, let's remember. The birth of a king that came to change our world and bring peace into our lives. Let praise and peace define your Christmas season. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for the gift of your child. I thank you for what it does for us. I thank you that you came. I thank you that you died. I thank you that you rose again. And I thank you that because of that we have life in you. But as we scurry about these next few days we get frustrated with other people and loved ones. I pray you would use those times to bring something into our life as a reminder of what great opportunity we have to celebrate your birth and what you did for us by sending your son. Lord, I pray that Uh, praise, peace would define the relationships that each and every one of these uh, loved ones of you have. And I pray that you would be big in our lives as we show love to those that you put in our way today, tomorrow, and the rest of the week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for worshiping with us this morning, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on Christmas Eve for one of three services here so have a wonderful day